Welcome to Tuning In, Episode 9. I'm Terry. I'm Kenzie. And how are you? Uh, you know, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a while. It has. It has. Summer's busy time of year, and so... Yeah, somehow we found things to occupy ourselves during yeah, this time, so... Absolutely. But yeah, we've been researching all along here and doing all this, and yes, so... Yes, it was not lost time. So we're ready to go today uh, with... Uh, Arctic Monkeys, and then Bruce Springsteen. The boss. The boss, yeah. I'm so ready. Anxious to hear about that. we got a couple other things before we start, though. Oh, yeah. Very minor, some housekeeping. Um, so last episode, I couldn't think of the name of the store, which I just said. I think I called it just like dark and <laughs> <laughs> sold like graphic tees. Um, hot Topic. It's iconic, and I'm upset that I didn't think about it. But, yes, it's Hot Topic. Um, and then I don't think anyone probably caught this, but you were telling me about Bruce Springsteen, the E Street Band. Yes. And I laughed and was like, oh, yeah, because I didn't know anything about it. And I thought you were talking about your, well, I should define your band. <laughs> <laughs> My dad is not in a real band, but I guess you could give a brief synopsis of it. At the end, I teach, and so at the end of the school year, each year, except for this year, of course, with uh, everything going on, but we have a uh, basically an air guitar band. We actually have instruments, and very few of us know how to play them, <laughs> and we always cover uh, a couple songs at the end of the year for students, and we are wildly popular on our... Every year, we have our annual farewell tour, <laughs> <laughs> two songs, maybe three. Uh, it started off, uh, we did some Bruce Springsteen songs. Oh, really? Yeah, in the beginning. And it, we ended up calling ourselves the EY Street Band for the, you know, for the name of the school, but uh, mm -hmm. for the initials of the school. But <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's kind of um, morphed out of that. We actually started our names, kind of takeoffs of some of the band members mm -hmm. and merged our names with those. And now we've gone through about... 15 members overall there's two of us left the, from the original but anyway yeah so yeah, that, that's a typical band fashion yeah that's fine. So anyway, it's fine. but yeah no when he said e street band i was like ey street band yeah <laughs> i don't know it doesn't matter but if anyone heard me laugh that's why we are probably on youtube somewhere you can go see us so that's true you guys yeah. are famous and fun little fact that i just saw today luke combs got married yesterday he did he did. Good wow. for him. Yeah. So well, congratulations. Some great little love songs are coming our way, I'm oh, sure. I'm sure. I mean, I'm, not, I'm just guessing. Yeah. What about you? Uh, let's see. I listened to the Pete Wentz uh, podcast with Dax Shepard. Oh, yes. You sent that to me. That's really good. I like Dax Shepard's podcast. What's it called? Uh, Armchair Expert. Armchair Expert. That's really good. I really enjoyed that. So I've listened to... Pete Wentz's interview and uh, just went into more depth of the stuff that I was going over the last time on the last yeah. episode and and also listened to a Will Ferrell too which was really good yeah uh, so yeah it was really good I enjoyed that uh, also it's been kind of fun as I've been noticing online just through you know Facebook or where whatever social media a lot of bands are getting bored and recording new albums. Yay! They were going to go on tour and they didn't get to do any of that, mm -hmm. you know, and everybody's kind of done an acoustic version of this or that through Zoom and all that, and they're probably getting bored of that. So I noticed some bands either have albums coming out soon or they're in the midst of recording them. A lot of trying to be innovative with distance. Some of them are waiting just to get together to finish it up. That one would be Sticks. They have a brand new album. Ooh. They're recording just like their previous album. They, that they recorded in analog they're doing that again where it's kind of more of a classic sound they said they're really excited about that i heard hart's got an album acdc's got an album coming out that they have uh, i don't know you can read about it online but they're putting an album out journey almost has an album out toad the wet sprocket has an album going u2 supposedly has an album they're recording and cheryl crow has a new song out so yeah that's wow. kind of cool yeah your generation is busy yeah well they're bored yeah i'm sure <laughs> so, what do you do you know but those are some iconic bands so that's exciting yeah well, a lot of bands make a lot of money touring and they're not doing that right now so they're yeah, just do wanting what they to can yeah they're just kind of bored so yeah well should we dive in let's dive in you're first i am first okay well arctic monkeys so this was uh another interesting voyage for me i will be honest I took the approach I did with the Fallout Boy, and I watched videos. I thought, oh yeah, that really worked out for Fallout Boy. It didn't work out so well <laughs> <laughs> with Arctic Monkeys. 
Um, I don't really know why. I think because Fallout Boy just has these incredible videos. Mm -hmm. They're very interesting, and their music's just so diverse. And yeah. Arctic Monkeys I got on there, and I go, gosh, I don't. this is going to be a rough go for uh -huh. me. This is going to be the toughest of all. Wow. And, and I was like, oh, okay. And so I kind of stopped, and then I regrouped, and I got, I think I just need to learn about the band and get to know them because mm -hmm. it just didn't work. And I'll, I'll play some songs, but they were all kind of sounding at first real similar, and I just thought, what's the hype here? Mm -hmm. I, I don't really get it. So a little bit about the band. Uh, Arctic Monkeys, they, uh, the name's kind of interesting, of course. They don't like it. Oh, okay. One of their band members, uh, I think it was Jamie Cook, we'll talk about him in a minute, but it was his idea just to call them the Arctic Monkeys. And the rest of the band members think it's kind of like, that's what you would call them. If you had a band in middle school, <laughs> you'd name them the Arctic Monkeys. And the rest of them, I think, kind of wish they would have switched it up before they got their first album oh, out. No. That. It I was too late. Cool. But once they once they got traction, you, know, you can't go back. No, of course not. I was curious. This is the wildlife section of the podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> so safari guide. I was wondering. Uh, you know, I was. I don't didn't know that there would be any Arctic monkeys. I've never heard of that. But mm -hmm. I was curious about monkeys and how far north they actually <laughs> reside. God. And I found that the, the Japanese macaque monkey, or the snow monkey that resides in Japan, and it snows, you know, two, three, four months out of the year in the particular region that they live. And that's the most northern non-human primate that lives on the planet. If anybody could fact check that and find some other primate that lives in non-human primate yeah so they do throw snowballs too the monkeys do they do they oh. have been witness throwing snowballs so that's a little bit about the wildlife section we'll <laughs> digress back to the band the now. more you know yeah more you know actually so the band uh composed comprised of alex turner he's lead vocals and guitar andy nicholson bass these are the original members Okay. Jamie Cook, uh, guitar and keyboards, and Matt Helders on drums. And they've formed in 2002 in Sheffield, England, uh, home of Def Leppard mm -hmm. and also the, a band in the 80s called the Human League. Uh, although the, they weren't influencing Arctic Monkeys at all. Mm. They said they had no influence. I felt like Arctic Monkeys were similar to Cage the Elephant, yet not quite as harmonious sounding. Mm -hmm. But uh, they've also been likened to a band uh, that's been around a long time. I don't know if they're around anymore, but the Kinks. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been around, you know, were 60s, 70s, 80s, and maybe 90s. And then a band uh, earlier in the, mainly the 60s, called MC5. And But the band members aren't even familiar with any of those, either of those bands. Oh, okay. So, so the, there's no influences there, <laughs> even though they sound like them. So early history. Interesting, and this is where I got a newfound respect for them after my initial video uh, sampling, which I wasn't real thrilled. So Turner, Nicholson, and Helders were school friends. Uh, they kind of started the band, and it, they, kind of, they kind of came together in different ways. Cook joined later. So Turner, out of that, emerged as the lead vocalist, and it turned out he was, they discovered his wittiness, mm -hmm. his clever use of words, and his kind of a storyteller. And so he emerged as the lead singer mm -hmm. out of the band. They were very innovative. So we were talking early 2000s. Uh, Internet's kind of getting getting going here. And they started giving away demo CDs at gigs. And they just give these away. And they had a few other songs that you might recognize. And they started posting their music online for free. This was a way for bands to gain popularity on the Internet that no one had ever done that before. Oh, yeah, cool. so it was way different than the traditional being discovered by an agent and, hey, we'll sign you to a record deal and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it marked this new way to market music. And then fans, when MySpace was a thing, started setting up MySpace pages, and they would share the music legally because it was already out there by the band anyway, mm -hmm. and they would get this out there. And so their, their popularity was distributed uh, online they're one of the very they, the first band really to, to, known to do that super cool yeah and i thought wow that's pretty innovative and so they would go out they don't have an album out yet just these demo cds yeah or available stores or anywhere yeah and so they go and all of a sudden the crowd they were getting these big crowds because kind of word of mouth and crowds already knew their songs and started singing along they're like whoa what? just whoa. through like myspace yeah they just start so singing cool. along uh the, i can't remember which songs they were at the time but 
So anyway, they would do these sing-alongs, and the band's really surprised, and it built this fan base without even a record label. And they were really gaining online traction awesome. that way. So it went against the usual ways for bands to gain their popularity and uh, made record companies rethink how they're going to start marketing bands. They're kind of looking at the Arctic Monkeys and going, gosh, these teenagers mm-hmm. are revolutionizing the way mu- music is marketed. Yeah. It's way different. You know, it's not, and we don't have to play them over the radio. I mean, we, you could, but, yeah, but radio was changing. And so it was kind of a, they call them a do-it-yourself band, DIY band. <laughs> yeah. And they're not really typical rock stars. These guys are very ordinary. They like to deflect. They don't really like to talk to the press a lot. Mm-hmm. They don't like to talk about themselves. Uh, they don't really feel affected by the, their success either. They're very humble yeah. kids. And, uh, yeah, they kind of stay distant from the media. Well, you don't really hear about them. Like, I, mm. I know that when I had mentioned yeah. them, you were like, oh, I've heard of them. But it's not like they're number one or, you know, I don't know. You just don't really hear about yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, I've that's about it i've heard of them you've played them a time or two in the mm-hmm. car and i think i saw something on tv one day and i was just kind of watching some video or something yeah, yeah so casual well eventually all of these demo cds got them a record deal and they got a debut album called whatever people say i am that's what i'm not <laughs> <laughs> they had on smash brand. hit they already had this following and a smash hit i bet you look good on the dance floor and that might have been on the demo CD. They had a few of the songs from the original al- or on this original album that were actually demos. And then they went back and tweaked them and re-recorded them a little, mm. and probably in a little better equipment and okay. all that. It's probably sound a little better. And then uh, when the sun goes down, I know that's a sing-along they start off with. Mm. The whole crowd sing. That's a tradition. My guess is that that's probably one it's of those thing. they were singing along with in the demo days. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, so when the sun goes down, I, I first I just didn't get it. I wasn't, you know, the um, videos just didn't work for me. Like I said, so right. really spent more time with it, mm-hmm. then went and watched the videos again. So when the sun goes down, it reminds me if you were like on a, on campus mm-hmm. uh, here, Oregon State's the closest one for us, you know. And so if I was at the pizza place down there, you know, yeah, it, it would be in the background. It would just fit it's into the vibe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's what it reminded me. I go, gosh, where would I have heard that? And I thought, oh, it's probably on campus somewhere. Yeah, like one of those movies or something like. Yeah. That. So it was just yeah, it was real. Uh, I like that song actually now. Um, interesting in t- two thousand six. So they were just really gaining popularity their album was selling like hotcakes and they uh were touring and doing all this and then nicholson left the band oh yeah and he'd been with them a long time from childhood and all i that. was gonna say yeah he was original. he was fatigued from touring just uh, wore him out and he really struggled with fame mm. just uh, it was just you know you'd think he'd want all that and once mm-hmm. he got there it was kind of like it's just not for me yeah and so Interesting though, they you know they're really good friends, and he would even hang out with them sometimes, even backstage and stuff. But he just never wanted to carry on like yeah. that. And so they did replace him with uh, another uh, uh, member, Nick O'Malley. Okay, and he's been with them ever since. So so they've only had one personnel change. Mm. So interesting. Usually, band you know the debut album tour, and they'll tour for a while. Well, they they did debut album. Let's go record more songs <laughs> before we tour. And so oh my the, God. And we want more. And so okay. they did a five-song EP after the debut. Uh, it was a little different than some of the other songs. And it didn't it had some graphic language in it, so I didn't get any airplay mm-hmm. or very little. And it's just a very atypical way, but they wanted more songs. So, <laughs> like, so they did in. that. So they had an album plus five more songs. And then, you know, hit the road Wow. with that. Nice. It's kind of there. So then next year this is kind of 70s fashion where you record an album every year and they were kind of on that track here for mm-hmm. for a little while it's 2007 they had uh, our released was it favorite worst nightmare <laughs> second album <laughs> smash hit uh, i don't know where i was to realize uh-huh. this was happening but smash hit and songs were very fast and very loud and you can go back and listen to that and it's kind of the first album's Kind of raw, kind of like um, Cage the Elephant was, so kind of this raw sounding. Yeah. And it kind of became more diverse as they became uh, more experienced. Okay, okay. So they were kind of very fast, very loud. Uh, Another big selling LP, singles. Uh, I thought it was Brainstorm, but I looked it up. I'm going to have to fact check this. Brian Storm. (laughs) Oh, it's not Brainstorm. Well, I saw it in two places. It said Brian Storm. So I'm confused. (laughs) 
So fact check that. If I'm wrong, I apologize. But I looked the other day for sure, and I said, Brian Storm. Anyway, I, I love this song title. I, the song wasn't as good as the title, I didn't think, at least for me. But Fluorescent Adolescent. Oh, I like that. That's <laughs> but, cool. But uh, I thought that was a great song title. That's cool. Uh, the song I like uh, more is, I have no idea what it's about. Probably don't want to know. Teddy Picker. <laughs> <laughs> So by then, they're enormously possible. They headlined the Glastonbury Festival over in the UK. Oh, yeah. We were watching a video or two of that, remember? Were we? I, I don't know. It came okay. on, and you were like, who's this? And I was like, this is the Arctic Monkey's Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> it's like the person you're supposed to be it researching. It didn't stick to the wall at the time, but uh, yeah. Yeah, in two years, you'll research them. 2008, the album a year, third LB, LP, Humbug. Humbug. Yeah, another big hit, another big tour. Uh, singles, Crying Lightning, mm. uh, Cornerstone, and My Propeller. <laughs> My Propeller. Played several festivals in several countries. Uh, so it's just in, wow. you know, it's the same pattern that they're going in. Yeah. Yeah. And then the hiatus. Oh, uh, the classic <laughs> This was hiatus. a short one. A short okay. one. 2010. It wasn't too long. But uh, so the three years between albums, put out their fourth album, another big hit by 2011 mm -hmm. and they had the singles are you mine uh, it was released on youtube to preview the album so again they're using that social media outlet to um, market their album i love that song and then don't sit down because i moved your chair <laughs> sounds very <laughs> fallout boy -esque. i was gonna say they have a couple <laughs> songs that i'm like that's a little long yeah so that, you know they continued the same pattern their music was continuing to evolve a bit and then they were invited to play at the London Summer Olympics in 2012. Oh. So, nice. yeah, they played I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor. Okay. And then they played Come Together by the Beatles. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Did you watch a video of that at all? <sighs> no. I, I haven't seen it either. So <laughs> I should. Cool. I wish I would have now yeah. that you say that. Uh, but I will. Sounds like a cool moment. No, yeah. I would like to do that. I know Avril Lavigne, you know, she played in the, for the Vancouver Olympics. So, oh, yeah. You know, one of our others. So. Wow. Yeah. Pick some winners. Yeah. So, you know, album, tour, big hits. It continues after that short hiatus. And then 2013, they released AM, which you can Arctic Monkeys. Oh. Yeah. So they, I, there was a brief mention of why they called it and didn't name it. The, you know how they didn't do a self-titled LP, their first yeah. album. So anyway, the, the fifth album, they decided to call it AM. I like that one. So singles, Do I Want to Know? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Mad Sounds. Uh, this came to more great reviews. So they're, they're not getting bashed by anybody on these reviews, as far as I could tell, all the way through. Yeah. Uh, Turner described AM as a more diverse and original LP. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. And listening to that compared to the previous ones, uh, a bit more melodic. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And kind of a mix of, I don't know, hip-hop and heavy rock. Yeah, they have a lot of good, like, deep guitar solos in there. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of some. But I like that album a lot. So they were still uh, playing, you know, touring. And then uh, headlining some really big festivals, too. Mm -hmm. uh, several in Europe. Uh, some of the big ones over there. Then came the real hiatus. Oh, yeah, okay. To explore that creativity, I think. One or more of the members of the bands had kind of side projects going, and they wanted to explore that, and they were tired. And, you know, the usual pattern. Always. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. so. uh, 6LP eventually, though, they came together, and they recorded the Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, <laughs> this most recent album. And they explored new sounds. So remember, they were really that big guitar sound all the way through, really. Mm -hmm. Pretty prominent. There's very little. Oh. Yeah, there's much less guitar and lots of piano. It is way different. I haven't listened to it. Yeah, it was very complex piano. Too. Oh. Yeah, and so it's described as uh, hypnotic, some of the reviews, and I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. uh, this I kind of was thinking it would be good to have on while you're working on your laptop and doing some work where you could kind of work and have yeah. music on. So they did have two singles, uh, four out of five, and then the title track, uh, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. Mm. Rolling Stone um, described it as lounge pop concept record set in a casino piano bar on the moon. Holy crap. <laughs> Who comes up with that? Yeah, so it wasn't quite as well received as 
previous because it's so diverse. You yeah. Know? So you look at that and you go, well, do I give them credit for reinventing themselves a little bit? Yeah, Especially lot, after a hiatus too. You know, a lot of good bands do that. And I one of the reviews was kind of like, well, I don't know if this is what they should do from now on. Yeah. But you got to give them credit for trying something completely new. You know, yeah. sometimes you'll see a band, they'll do something like this compared to what they've done in the past. And then you get kind of a melding later on down the road on mm-hmm. an album that just kind of gels those two styles. So this one might be forging ground for the next album mm-hmm. of kind of combining those sounds. Yeah. You two did that. You two went from this very similar pattern, actually. And then their fourth album was very harmonic, uh, atmospheric, way different. Yeah. And I remember when it came out, I was a little disappointed with it, but you could see that later on down the road, kind of where, where they were changing and the next album kind of combined those a little bit more. Yeah. So you never know. Well, after that many LPs and albums and stuff, it's like, I would probably get tired of doing the same thing too if I was an artist. You know, they probably so it makes would have sense. got criticized too if they did the same oh, thing too. Absolutely. So they were having, you know, they're going to have to do something different. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, give them credit for busting out of the pattern. Yeah, absolutely. So songs that stuck out to me, uh, re- I've made a set list. Okay. So oh. yeah. <laughs> Personal Terry set list. Yeah. So okay, let's hear it. Five oh five. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Arabella, When the Sun Goes Down, Fireside, Brick by Brick, and I know some of these probably are more obscure and some are popular, Uh, Fake Tales of San Francisco, (laughs) (laughs) Do I Want to Know, Snap Out of It, Teddy Picker, and I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor, which is from the original. So So is that like your ideal Arctic Monkey concert lineup there? That probably would be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You should send that to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that'd be my set, <laughs> set list. So, yeah. Cool. So, no, it was a good experience. I, you know, I went from just kind of thinking, gosh, this band, they just sound all the same. And, you know, it just made me realize, you know, just, this is a whole different generation. Mm-hmm. And just, I, it made me think back to bands like, you know, The Who, The Beatles, The Rolling Stones. All these bands mm-hmm. are a bunch of teenagers, just the same mm-hmm. out of, in this case, even from the UK, somewhere yeah. far away from us. And they're going out and their first albums are usually kind of raw and, you know, they kind of progress as you go. And, yeah. uh, and you have your fan base of mm-hmm. a lot of young people. This is what you grew up with and this is what you identify with. So sometimes when I, I look at it, I go, well, yeah, this is, this is not for me right now. Yeah. <laughs> but later on, you can kind of... It might evolve. Yeah. So, you know, the songs I mentioned here were if from my uh, generation here that you could, might relate to a little okay. bit. I wouldn't say that there's a lot of the 50-plus uh, crowd that's just going to dive into Arctic Monkeys. Wouldn't, wouldn't suspect that one. But they're all right. They're all right. <laughs> I must say, I kind of threw that one out as just like a, well, we'll just see mm-hmm. what happens. Because I like them. But I can't say that I know most of the songs that you just said you know like i would not call myself a diehard arctic monkey fan but i like their music and i know you liked cage the elephant yeah and i don't want to give you the same genres all the time so i was like "Eh, we'll see how this goes well i have a lot of respect for them they're good they're innovative i'm glad it wasn't a total Mm -hmm. fail well tell me about the boss the boss okay so i was trying to decide how i wanted to go about this and so Disclaimer, I definitely don't have all like the nitty gritty facts of who his brothers and sisters were, you know, like any of that stuff, which I don't think it really matters, Mm -mm. but that's kind of the stuff that I usually start writing down right Mm -hmm. away. And my main goal during it was just to figure out like why he is who he is. Like that sounds really deep, but, (laughs) but everybody's obsessed with him, you know, and they call him the boss. And I was like, that's a real, like, prestigious name and he's just so well respected in music and kind of watching his videos of him as an older man now I'm kind of like okay like he's fine you know it just I wanted to get down to it of like where he came from and why he's this person and this big prestigious figure so that's just my thought process through auto um but you know I've got some background info so um, he's from Freehold, New Jersey, born in 1949, 
and that is like a big selling point for all of his music like you know we'll figure that out as we go but new jersey all about new jersey he loves his hometown um so i watched a little bit of something and it was kind of just his friends and his bandmates that he grew up with were talking about him and they were like he was really like well respected in the friend group and he could always put up a fight like as a kid like they would all just be playing outside or whatever and like nobody could ever beat him and i don't think he was this big like tough guy but he just was good you know and he always had a guitar on his back um and they said he wasn't really into like sports or really anything else like multiple sources were like yeah he's not really into a whole lot (laughs) except for music and so i mean from the get-go he that was his thing so um yeah he just kind of always explored like small town america um a lot of rock music didn't really talk about that kind of stuff at the at that time so he really introduced like talking about his hometown and all the things that were going on in the country at the time in rock music um so he's just very authentic and he bought his first guitar at 13 and he was inspired by elvis and i guess his mom always played elvis in the house and somewhere on the internet said that he was inspired by the beatles on the ed sullivan show yeah um and he might have been but I get such an Elvis vibe from him that, like, I want to believe the Elvis thing. <laughs> and I'm sure that he was probably inspired by the Beatles, too. Like, sure. you know, I researched how important that show was to a lot of people. <laughs> so he was just kind of playing his guitar, always had it on his back. And eventually he joined this band called the Castiles. And he, they needed a guitarist and he was at a gas station and asked this like old, I mean, not old man, but older than them as he was like a teenager. (laughs) He asked this older man at the gas station if he wanted to be their guitarist. And the guy said, he was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And he joined this band and he was like, I was so much older than these guys, but they were really good. And I kind of became their mentor and I don't think he was their manager per se but he was in charge of them for uh, for the most part just because of the age difference um and even that guy was like as a kid or as a young person he knew how to control a crowd like he knew what he was doing he was a performer they called him a showman um so Asbury Park he would go and perform there and it was just a real popular beach scene and Obviously, later on, that becomes, like, album titles and important parts of it. Um, So then he got noticed from that. A lot of people were really starting to see him as a performer and, like, the real deal, not just a local New Jersey guy. So um, he got noticed and joined this band called Steel Mill, which he was in there for a while. Um, It was kind of, they called it a ragtag group of young men and... This guy Tinker made him sound good, had a good vibe, and said to make it open for everyone to party. <laughs> and so I don't really know <laughs> what that means, but yeah, I think they were playing more. It's still like the Asbury Park scene and more local things, but they played colleges and they actually like created a little bit of a following from that band. And so Springsteen obviously became more well known through all that. And actually, he, uh, invited this guy to be in the band this is a little uh gossip but he invited this guy to be in the band and be their guitarist and then he had a girlfriend and then they ended like bruce springsteen started ended up dating that girl too but they were like dating him at the same time Hmm. and it was just really weird because the guy in the video i couldn't tell his like mood (laughs) he was like (laughs) Yeah, it was, uh, we were both dating the same girl, and it was kind of weird. <laughs> and, like, I don't think he was happy about Probably it. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> but I'm sure, like, what are you going to do? Bruce Springsteen wants your girlfriend. Like, I don't think I see him as a guy who goes in and tries to swoop in. You know, I'm sure it was circumstantial, but it was just kind of funny. <laughs> like, what do you do in that situation, you know? So... Steel Mill kind of took a more R&B vibe, but they also started adding that horn section, which is so important for Bruce Springsteen later on in life. 
And at one point, the manager was, like, really favoring Bruce and was like, I don't think you need the rest of these band members. And he ended up, like, stopped paying those guys. Oh, wow. And, yeah, he kind of, like, took them off it. Um, and some of the steel mill people left because they turned it into the Bruce Springsteen band. And I never got Bruce's opinion on this. But once again, I just don't see him as the guy who's like, this is my band. All of you can go. It was more management driven. Yeah. I think it was definitely a management. Um, And later on, because at this part, it was just like the Bruce Springsteen band. But there were 10 members. And Bruce was like paying them all individually after every night. He would take the hmm. he would take the money and he would give it to all of them. But the manager was upset about it because he was like, "This is a ten piece band. If we get two hundred dollars, you all get twenty dollars, and that pays for nothing." He goes, "This is so like irresponsible and not economic." And so the manager quit because he was like, "You guys are idiots," and. So then that guy Tinker came back, who was from um, the Steel Mill Band, and everyone, yeah, I don't know, actually, I kind of forgot to write down the facts in between that, but I don't know where Tinker went, but some man named Mike came in at some point, (laughs) and Mike was the one that was like, we're not paying the rest of you. Like, this is Bruce's band. So, I mean, it was probably around the same time because I think it was the same band. I don't know where Tinker went. Um, But, yeah. So then he favored Bruce, but Bruce was like, nah, guys, like, you're all getting paid evenly. And at that point, too, everyone started comparing Bruce Springsteen to Bob Dylan. And I guess Bob Dylan was not around at the time. He, He was there, but, like, He was kind of in the shadows at the moment. I don't think he was producing a whole lot. And so everyone wanted the Bob Dylan's kind of music. And they were, they said they were missing him. And Bruce was kind of filling that void for them. Oh, okay. That's a good way to put that. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so Bruce wanted to be Bruce. And he kind of stated that. He was like, I want to be as good as Bob, but I don't want to be Bob. And I don't think he wanted to fill that hole specifically for right. them. But, you know, he wanted to be that musical influence for them. And so then he started really tapping into his New Jersey roots as he started composing a lot more music. And this is around the same time as the name The Boss came into play. And I expected some huge reason for mm-hmm. it. And I don't know, maybe there can be like multiple reasons that I didn't hear about online. But I pretty much just came from him gathering all the money every night and paying all his bandmates, and then he was also really good at Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> and became the boss, huh? He became the boss. Okay. And so, I, yeah, I thought it was kind of like the boss of music, but more just the boss of his band, and I don't know, cool name. Yeah. Better than, like, the manager. So... <laughs> Um, you know, he was a great Monopoly player, really showed people up apparently, so kudos. But then that's when the E Street Band came into play. <laughs> Not the EY Street Band. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the e, the E Street Band, they created the album The Wild, The Innocent, and the E Street Shuffle. And I favor all the music with the E Street Band compared to just Bruce. The solo. Yeah. I I agree. Yeah. I was listening. I was driving home from Eugene yesterday and listened to him all the way home. And I was comparing the songs. Good for you. Thank you so much. Going deep. Good. I am. Tell us more. And I was comparing the kind of music like that. And there was some that just came on and it was Bruce and a harmonica. And I just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a whole different deal. It is. Yeah. And the E Street Band has the, what is it called? Like the, I don't know. It's the band. There's a, the horn section. Horn That's section. what it is. Okay. Sorry, I could not think of that word. It has the horn section and all the, you could hear the triangle in the back. Yeah. And <laughs> I just think it's all so cool. So then this guy, he was a music reviewer, but his name is John Lando. And he heard Bruce, and he called it, he said he was like being young again, hearing music for the first time. And that was everybody's 
kind of vision of Bruce at that time. He was the all-American man singing about all the events going on in the Mm -hmm. world. And that guy actually ended up becoming his manager and helped him produce the Born to Run album. And that one took him forever to make. It took him 14 months to finish that album. Oh, really? Yeah. And it, I think the song itself took like a long time too. And he put a lot of effort into the album, but. That album, I mentioned this early on in our, mm-hmm. maybe our first podcast, I'm not sure, but <laughs> uh, when we had Rising Sun Records. Oh yeah. Downtown. And that album cover was on the side of this brick building here in Salem. Oh, right. And whoever painted that just did a beautiful job on that. And I love that. It's just it's the whole vibe of that place. And so those people that used to go there yeah. you know, from Salem will probably remember that. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, I remember one day I went by there after the, I think that shut down. And they, I think it was like, you're going to paint that over, aren't you? And mm. they sure enough did. And it's under several coats of paint now. Oh, that's so cool, though. Yeah, they can keep going. It was a a great album. Yeah, so a lot of heart went in there. And then that's when they added Steve Van Zandt, uh, which is their guitarist. And I looked him up because I started out my research a lot by watching just live performances. And he was really collaborating with this one guitarist. And I was like, who is this guy? And then later learned that it's Steve Van Zandt. And they got along super well. And he's a great guy. And he has that most memorable guitar solo in the Born to Run song. Mm -hmm. And so he hired him right before they finished that song. So they were really happy in the end because they're like, that was like the big part of it. So then... Now, we're in 1978. I never told any other dates. So now we're in 1978, and he created The Darkness at the Edge of Town. Mm -hmm. And he was a little depressed at the time. Um, He was just kind of, I don't really know exactly the reason, but he was going through some stuff. I think he had some squabbles with his management, and he had to do some court stuff. And it was just a dark time for him. And so he was really reflecting on his political and like intellectual awareness at that time. And I think that that was really prevalent in his music, that he was more of an adult and he really started to dive deep into like his American values and like all the stuff about nuclear warfare. And (laughs) that's when he started doing a no nukes album. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That had a bunch of bunch there are all these jackson brown and uh, mm-hmm. crosby stills and nash and all these they're kind of all in the same mindset yeah they would always come together for these things oh too. really yeah they would come and come and go i remember that that was kind of one of the first really big collaborations for a cause oh. music I mean, i'm sure there were others but yeah yeah they're all kind of alike yeah so he just kind of did that and um really began reflecting on politics and Vietnam veterans and the American population. And that's when the Born in the USA album came mm-hmm. out as well. Um, then it, the Dancing in the Dark song came on. And uh, that started Courtney Cox's career. <laughs> and um, I looked it up. The music video was a real concert, but she was staged. So She was. Okay, she we was staged. Yeah, because yeah, I was like... Yeah. There's no way that a random fan that got two seconds in the video charged her stardom from that. There's no way. No, it was staged. Um, so then he had like a concert in Germany, which was one of his most important concerts ever. A man wrote a book about it, like how important it, that concert was really? to him. Yeah. Wow. Um, and after that, people say that they think he began the start of the fall of the wall in germany wow like people these kind of things started adding up where i was like okay people really respect him presidents were talking about him reagan was super stoked about him like he was in the rock and roll hall of fame um let's see here he created the album the rising which is like a big one it was right after september 11th and it was kind of all about that and the E Street Band came back together for that after their first album in like 18 years. And they did a tour and it was just, it won all the, it won all the things. I love that album. That it was, was one really of my good. favorite albums. And I, listening back, I remember you playing 
the yeah, rising that's my all favorite. the time. Yeah, it's my favorite Springsteen. Really? Oh yeah. Oh cool. By far. Well it was a really good album and it like meant so much. Well it was interesting too is that he went and interviewed people after nine eleven mm. and wanted to hear you know, he's all about stories. Right. And reflection. Mm-hmm. And so he went and interviewed all these people about nine eleven and their experiences. Firefighter, just somebody from a hometown hero in mm-hmm. a small town to kind of random people yeah and then he put together these stories so you don't ever hear anything about 9-11 specifically and all that went on right you hear the the aftermath of that and mm-hmm. the, the cause and effect of that in human life and stories and families and you know and there's real happy times and sad mm-hmm. times and con- you know, all sorts of emotions coming yeah. out of that and it's if you listen to those songs and you kind of have to read the lyrics to it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fascinating, especially if you've gone through that time to really understand. And uh, it was a great album. Yeah. So it was just really cool to listen to and to hear all that. And everyone really recognized that as well. And after that, he released more albums. I kind of stopped counting because he has 19 of them. Yeah. And I just couldn't keep track. But, I mean, he wrote one about a soldier in the Iraq war, another one about activism. Like he was very involved in everything and it was all very on brand. He performed at the Super Bowl in 2009. That was a great performance. Didn't he bring the E Street Band for that one as well? I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, he did the Wrecking Ball Tour, which was his most grossing concert, um, or the most grossing concert of the year. And that happened a lot. Everybody was like, all they were all top grossing albums top grossing tours like top his best-selling book like everything was the best and so that's when i started to realize i was like okay this is why people love him and like it all started to add up when everything just he was the best of the best so that was really cool and that's kind of the end of it like he has an album coming out soon oh really um and he hinted that the e street band they might collaborate because they were like well we've got a little more time on our hands right now add that to the list i know so i don't know when but i have a couple fun facts yeah let's see here um well taylor swift is called the millennial bruce springsteen apparently (laughs) (laughs) didn't know that i was unaware that is new um Obama was a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. They talked about him a lot. And so Obama says that, like, Bruce's songs told about the American life and his performance were more like communions. And he performed for him at the Kennedy Honors Center, which kind of reminded me of Hart doing that last mm-hmm. week or whatever. Um, apparently, he's third to Elvis and Jay-Z for the most number one albums. Wow. I don't know if that's the most correct information at the moment, but when I was reading this, they said that that's it, and there was no date stamp, so it could be correct, Mm -hmm. because both of those people have a lot of albums. Oh, yeah. And he got, like, the most, or the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Obama, and then when Obama won, he, the first song to play was The Rising. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know. So, yeah, I don't know. There's just so many different facts about, like, the things he was doing. And I didn't hear anything about, like, things that he did wrong, you know. And he didn't get himself into a lot of trouble. And maybe he did that I didn't read about it. but Yeah, he never heard anything like that. He sounded like a very low-key guy. And everybody kind of respected that about him. And they just knew that he was about the music. I remember he put this live album set. It was a box set of records, you know. Mm -hmm. And that was... 1980-ish, I think around 80, 79, was after, he had this album, double album called The River, I think it was after mm. The Darkness, The Edge of Town album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, it was before um, Born in the USA. Anyway, he got this, and it was this album, and he went into this one song, it's, I don't even know, it's one of the older songs, and he talked about, he was in this phone booth with his girlfriend, and he goes on about the story about Oh. life and, and he was talking in this phone booth for uh-huh. hours and he'd go down there and talk to her and, in new jersey you know uh, and he just okay. he really got it, it became pretty famous at the time that it was even played on the radio you sometimes okay. hear that whole dialogue before the song started <laughs> and it was actually probably even more famous than the song 
that, that for a while. There. Iconic dialogue. Kind of got there. erased by Born in the USA and all that. And yeah. People forgot about that, but I remember that listening. But you got to know him because mm-hmm. I never had seen him in concert. Never did do that, but yeah. you know, I'd seen him on TV and concerts and things. And then hearing this, mm-hmm. this great storyteller and just down to earth guy. And yeah. I remember uh, my one of my first essays I wrote in college. I had to write about a person. Mm-hmm. It was right during Born in the USA and all that. So Bruce. I, I wrote, you know, handwritten essay on <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. So, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a really cool guy. So I had fun with it. Um, some of my favorite songs were the 10th Avenue Freeze Out, mm-hmm. a good song. Um, Lonesome Day. Mm-hmm. You always would play that yeah, as a kid. That, that one song. struck a chord for me. I liked Wrecking Ball and The Rising. But I still have to say, I tried to <laughs> test it out and see if there was any song for me that could top Mary's Place. No. Mary's Place. That is the best Bruce Springsteen song of all time. And I will stand by it. Yeah. Like, it's the most fun. I don't know. People don't talk about it enough, but yeah. I'm saying it here. That one's I'm on the rising. Proud. Yeah, that's a classic. It is. And I just feel like nobody talks yeah. about it. You hear about Born to Run and you hear about all this. And it was just, again, it was after the radio era, you know. And, right. and so it kind of missed that. It would have been enormous. but I know those hold a little more importance than Mary's Place. But come on. Uh, that's just got classic <laughs> Clarence Clemens saxophone. Yes. And, and everything. In yeah, it. maybe I'm impartial. I love a good saxophone solo. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a good one. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. And then... Uh, Oh, gosh, you know, mostly just some of the standards. I like one old one called Rosalita. His, oh, I did like that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember that. Watched it you know, on TV. I see him live with that. That was a really good live version of that one. And, you know, I like Born to Run and 10th Avenue Freeze Out that you mm-hmm. mentioned is a really good one. Uh, all of uh, The Rising. Yeah. Hungry Heart. Hungry Heart's a good one. It's yeah, there all... was a lot of songs that I thought. Yeah, it went, when the, uh, you hadn't mentioned is Streets of Philadelphia. Did you ever listen to that? Yes, yeah. that's a good one, too. From the Tom Hanks movie. Oh, right. Yeah, that was a really good one. So, so, yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it. At first, I thought it was a little hard to focus mm-hmm. because there was so much information and it was all over the place. But I think that my biggest takeaway is, like, you can see the type of guy he is if you watch his live performances. And I think that that's kind of just where I stand with it is mm-hmm. those are fun. If anyone wants to get into it or see who he is, just watch a live performance and see how he interacts with the crowd and his own band. And it's just really cool. He's a good guy. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yes. Glad it turned out. Well, hey, want to talk about next week? This will be for episode 10. Ooh. I've saved one. I, I'm actually really excited. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay. So, this is, I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. Um, It's not that big of a deal, but I'm really excited. Um, So, you've been listening to a lot of Harry Styles on your own, I've noticed. Mm -hmm. So, I want to give you Harry Styles to study, but... (laughs) (laughs) I know where you're going with this. I know exactly where you're going with this, but go ahead. You're also going to listen to One Direction. (laughs) Okay. Because I think that that is so important. I mean, it's where he came from. No, I agree. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, but it's so important to where he came from. Yeah. And he's had more time spent in one direction than he has on his solo career. So you need to. So I will go back and watch. I, I actually had uh, listened to this Howard Stern mm. interview or watched it on, online, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he talked a little bit about it. But, you know, I was passively listening to mm-hmm. that so i will go back and watch the howard stern yes i'll be part of it and i want you to i listen. knew you were gonna do yes. this <laughs> but I, I knew you were gonna go one direction at some point i yeah. didn't uh, think about it until okay. recently but yeah. i have a couple like qualifications i want you to you i want you to focus on like harry styles himself but i want you to go back and listen okay. to one direction and you can even gather information on that as well sure because i am interested yeah. you know i know things yeah. but yeah um they've changed throughout time i want you to watch their videos their videos are honestly incredible they're so silly but it's definitely you'll if you want to start with those that's fine okay but see how they change over time members all the drama and then move your way into harry styles career i'm excited yeah yeah (laughs) all right who do i have 
This is one I've been saving. This is a band I really, really, really like. It's one of my all-time favorites, but I didn't do them early on. I could have done them right at first episode, but I thought, nah, we'll just do other, we'll explore our other ground. And so this is a band, you know them fairly well, but you're going to know them a lot more as Sticks. <gasps> yes. Yeah, so I love Sticks. Yeah. So here's what I want you to do. There's, okay. I want you to not spend a lot of time, but in the very early years and just sample a little music from the very early years. Very few people know the songs. Okay. Uh, there's some little story on that. Don't spend your life there, but oh, okay. sample just that, that what and are. what came out of that. Okay. They've had uh, a few, mem- and it isn't like they've turned over member after member, but there have been some departures. And so in the mid seventies, there was a, a lineup change that dramatically changed, but there's an album I want you to listen to called Equinox. Okay. Okay. Got an ice cube on fire. Listen yeah. to that album. Okay. So I'm going to have you do a little album listening. They're not real long. Okay. And then a few years later, I want you to listen to The Grand Illusion. Okay. And kind of start comparing how the sound's changing. Um, then I want you to pay attention to the uh, early 80s, about 83. Okay. What happened in 83. Some big things happened there. Okay. And so the band uh, went, underwent some drama. Okay. And then they went through some drama about 1999. Okay. And there's kind of talk about what happened in between, if anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> clues. So, and then compare them, uh, kind of do some research of what, what's going on now. I have some real big opinions about this. Interesting. And about certain members. Okay. Yeah, I have some real big opinions about this, and hmm. and and if you'll read in comments on social media, there's two different camps on sticks right now, and I'm definitely a member of one of them and not the other. So wow! Uh, oh my gosh, this sounds like yeah, my kind I'm a of die story. Hard fan on sticks, I, I can I, I dive pretty. You're deep. picking sides. Oh, definitely. Okay. So I have some opinions. So well, anyway, we'll talk about more. that next time. Reality TV drama stories for yeah, me next week, I yeah, guess. Yeah, so you got the drama effect here going. Great. Yeah. I love it. Well, it's good to be back. It is. Yeah, so I'm anxious for this next one. I'm It'll so excited. Yeah. This is going to be a good week next week. Yeah, all right. Well, hey, everybody enjoy your summer. Yes. Got another month to go before fall and it's almost over. All the weirdness <laughs> is going on and it'll get weirder. <laughs> but you still have us. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're, you're welcome, world. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. Well, have a good one. All right. Till next time. (laughs) Bye.